All right, I am so excited for you all to listen to this episode of Forward Thinking Founders. Before we get started, I just wanted to let you know that we are officially starting an email list as we have some big plans for the podcast and we'll be telling people on the email list first and probably only the people on the email list. So feel free to sign up and get on the email list at f20r.com. That's F as in Frank, two zero, R as in red.com. And I'll see you over there. All right. How is it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we're talking to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very excited to have on the show Travis Hedge, who is the creator of Vouch. Travis, welcome to the show. How is it going? Hey, thanks for having me, Matt. Uh, doing really well. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I just had my afternoon cup of coffee, and I'm feeling just great and ready to interview you and, and learn more about Vouch and what you're doing. Awesome. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. So let's let's start with just what are you working on? What is Vouch? Yeah, so Vouch is an insurance platform for startups. Uh, we take all the commercial insurance that a, a technology company needs and uh, you know, over 10 lines of coverage, and we do it in less than 10 minutes, and it's active same day, versus uh, the way that companies buy insurance today, which is going to be through a broker-driven process where they're getting quotes from many different carriers. You have to work with and pay multiple carriers on the back end. And um, oftentimes, you know, these are not often, every time, these are insurance carriers that don't really understand the unique needs of early stage startups. And so uh, we've been working on this really hard for about a year and a half now to redefine, redesign the process from the ground up. Um, so everything from application to claims is very specifically for early stage venture backed startups. Why did you decide to tackle kind of this specific vertical? I feel like there are a lot of opportunities for someone to go vertical within startups. So why, uh, why business insurance? Yeah, you know, for me, um, I grew up around the insurance industry. Both my parents are independent agents in Columbus, Ohio, and actually that that piece of it is part of why I, I do both um, both startups and insurance. Um, you know, neither of my parents graduated from college, and they started a small business, and, um, you know, that was seeing entrepreneurship and the impact that it can have on people is something that's, that's driven me from a really young age. Um, the first company I tried to, tried to build was a, a bipartisan platform uh, to help uh, support candidates on both sides of the aisle that support entrepreneurship and innovation. Um, you can imagine why the, the bipartisan aspect of that didn't work out very well, but, uh, you know, started, started working in the insurance industry, helped build out the venture team at Nationwide Insurance at, at SVB Capital, the venture arm at Silicon Valley Bank, where I've been the last few years. Uh, we got, you know, we're investing in typically early stage kind of fintech and digital health companies. And so I was really fortunate to work with companies like Root Insurance and Ladder Life that, took a vertically integrated approach to redesigning not just the, the distribution and, and experience, but really the fundamental financial products um, and have been looking for a similar uh, similar opportunity in commercial insurance for the last few years. Um, but at the same time, when I first moved out here, um, my, my parents, uh, our family business was hacked. And so fortunately they made it through that okay, they're doing great now, but it got me thinking a lot about, you know, in this category, not only like how do you uh, redesign the insurance products and the experience 
but also complement that with the right tools, services, and partnerships to help entrepreneurs build their business the right way from day one and, and not only set themselves up for success, but avoid the, the unexpected things that can derail you as you grow. And so, um, you know, frankly, I had, uh, I've been thinking about starting this dating back to, to 2016 and finally, um, you know, had the right people around the table. Uh, met my co-founder, Sam, about a year and a half ago. And, uh, you know, we've just been head down building this ever since. That's awesome. I, I definitely love how it's kind of that, that storyline. I'd love to know, this might be a very obvious question um, or a question coming from inexperience on my end, but can you just go into some of the reasons why a startup might need coverage or want coverage? Like what, what is in it for a, a company to, to go with Vouch to, to get their startup insured? Yeah, one of the most interesting things we learned early on in talking to uh, talking to founders was, you know, we surveyed a few dozen founders and found that um, 65% of experienced or repeat entrepreneurs uh, got commercial insurance as part of company formation because they just knew they needed it, whether it's because they've seen bad things happen to a business or they know that it's, it's going to be required as they grow. They just got it out of the gate. Um, 0% of first-time founders get this as part of the company formation process. And so on the one hand, we have an, uh, an opportunity to both educate and kind of empower people at that company formation stage. But then typically what happens is you sign your first lease and your landlord requires um, certain kinds of coverage, or you close your first big round and an investor is joining your board and so they require DNO coverage, or you're selling a, into a, you know, a Fortune 500 company and, and they require insurance of their vendors. Um, and so it's going to happen at every kind of important milestone around the business. And, and frankly, you know, one of the things that's different about us is we don't just think about, Hey, selling you insurance and, um, and pushing out things. It's really, you're trying to solve a problem, right? You're trying to close a deal. You're trying to raise around and everything we do is designed around helping you do that faster. And can you walk through the steps of, let's say I had a startup and I want, you just sold me just then. I'm like, oh my gosh, I definitely need this. I'm a first time founder. I'm not going to make that mistake. I'm going to get, uh, I'm going to get insured. I'm going to get insurance. How does a founder um, get insured through Vouch? What does the process look like step-by-step? Step? Yeah, um, it's really simple. So you go into our website, you spend less than 10 minutes answering a few questions. Uh, it's vouch.us. And um, from there, there's a there's licensed insurance professionals that are uh, you can talk them through intercom. We can set up a Zoom call. They're there to guide you through the process. Uh, about a third of our clients go through um, entirely self serve. Uh, you can once you get to the the quote screen, you can toggle your limits up and down, turn coverage on, turn coverage off. And the really big difference between our model and how companies buy insurance today is that it's not just a quote; it's actionable. You can check out and it's active on the spot. Uh, versus this quote really just being kind of step one in the process. And so uh, the other thing that's unique there is that the, the typical insurance application, the, the shortest that we found on the market today was about 45 questions. They can be 60 to 80 questions asking you things like, do you have a pool at your office? Do you, what year was uh, the roof replaced? When were the sprinklers put in? And I remember we were going through this application when we were first getting started and I was sitting in a WeWork. And I'm like, I don't know when the roof was replaced on my WeWork. I don't we have three laptops, like, why does this matter? And so our application is, um, you know, tw up to 25 questions max, uh, typically it's less than 20. Uh, and, you know, we've done a ton of work ahead of time to sort of 
identify the kinds of companies that we want to work with um, to make the process really as, as seamless as possible. That's great. As you mentioned earlier, you know, when you're a startup, you want to focus on your product, your growth, your distribution, and the easier that these things can be, the better. So I, I applaud you for that. I'm curious, you know, Vouch is a startup, you know, you're funded by some, some great investors, and you are selling to startups. I'm curious, does that help you at all, being that you're selling to people that are just like you? Or does it hurt you at all? What's it like selling to a category that you're a part of as well? Yeah, I think it, it absolutely, I feel like it's, it's very helpful. Um, and, you know, on the one hand, we've encountered a lot of the problems that, uh, that we're solving for. You know, I mentioned how painful it was for us to get our initial, uh, what's called a business owner's policy. So it protects against, you know, simple things like um, property theft and, uh, if there's an accident in the workplace, um, you know, things like advert, you know, false advertising, uh, the really kind of basics that every company needs. Um, and what felt like should be a very simple product process, we're spending a few hundred dollars a year. I mentioned it's a really clunky application, but also when it came time, you know, we bought it through a digital broker and yet we had to go cut a physical check to pay the carrier and they never received it. And I mean, it was just ridiculous how, how painful it was. Um, but then later down the line, we needed to get an even bigger insurance policy, something called errors and emissions. So basically, if we were to, to make a mistake and a customer or somebody were to sue us for it, it's protection against that. And um, in fintech, you often need these kinds of things just to get a license, just to, to really start the business. And so in order to get licensed in California, uh, we had to get our own errors and emissions policy. Well, when we went out to do that, we got declined by, I want to say it was like 15 carriers. Uh, for lack of revenue. And we're like, hold on a second, let, let, let help us understand this. In order to get revenue, we need a license. In order to get the license, we need this insurance. Um, but yet we keep running into this roadblock. And so eventually we figured it out. But uh, for us, it really just highlighted the, the pain points and really why we're, why we're doing what we're doing. Um, and then I think, you know, just the other aspect of that is I, we get to spend all day with, um, with, people that are building really impactful, exciting companies. And so, you know, not only um, does it, I think, help inform what we do, but it also just makes it really easy to get out of bed every day. So you mentioned, you just said that it is super helpful being a startup, kind of sharing this to startups. Um, I, I definitely agree being in a similar position in, in previous companies. How do you think about distribution for a vouch is it just hitting up all your founder friends do you use ads i'd love to hear how you get the word out about what you're working on yeah for sure so um obviously doing a great job for for our members and having them recommend us to their friends is, is absolutely i think you know one of if not the biggest part of it uh but we're also very very fortunate to have deep partnerships with um you know some of the tools and services that, that startups uh, most trust so uh, fortunate to have Silicon Valley Bank is, is one of our primary investors and launch and distribution partners. Um, you know, they're kind of there at every step of the way through a startup's journey and, and you know, as part of their lending process, as like any bank, they require insurance. And so um, really excited about our partnership there, uh, as well as obviously within the Y Combinator community. Um, you know, I think there's been a lot of examples of, of companies that have built tools for other startups in that community. And, um, you know, we're really fortunate to to be following a similar path. Um, and then I think the other piece of this is just being present, being relevant, right? We, 
um, we launched in Utah and Illinois as our first two states. And so it's not enough to just throw up, uh, you know, throw up a couple ads and send some emails. You, you've got to go spend the time and be a part of the community. And, and um, you know, that's something that I think has paid really paid dividends for us. Um, you know, hosting events, putting on, you know, putting a panel together so you can talk about what, you know, the founder journey and all those sorts of things. Um, it, it, that's been a really, really important part of the distribution strategy for us. And, you know, we're just getting started. We have a, a long way to go there. I've always been curious what it was like being in Y Combinator in regards to all the startups that sell to all, to all the other startups. Are you open to giving me some insight into what's it like when you enter YC and you have now a thousand, fifteen hundred startups that you could sell to? Like, do you just reach out to all of them? Is there a marketplace within YC? Are you able to disclose how that works where there's so many startups that target startups within that ecosystem? Yeah, so um, it's kind of interesting. I actually, when we got into YC, Sam and I uh, had a difficult decision to make, which was how are we going to actually um, do all the things that we need to do? Because we were planning on launching in uh, you know, Utah, Illinois, Ohio, Indiana, Michigan. Uh, so I had to go spend the summer um, talking to customers there, talking to partners, local accelerators, and seed funds and, and lawyers and accountants. Um, so we actually divided and conquered. So I'm not trying to dodge your question, but honestly, Sam did all the YC stuff and I was out, out talking to our customers in the field. So, um, but what I, what I can say is we did a couple things that I think helped, helped us um, make the most of the opportunity. One was we started hosting just biweekly, like, you know, product feedback dinners and trying to bring people together so that we could all learn from each other. Um, and obviously participating in all the, the things that go along with YC. Um, but the other thing we did was we didn't have an insurance product yet. And I mentioned earlier that we care a lot about helping companies, um, not just selling them insurance, but helping them lay the right foundation and, and do the right things in their business. And so we created uh, what's called a startup risk assessment tool. And it's a very simple diagnostic. It takes less than five minutes to fill out. And it gives companies a score on products, legal, finance, and team risk. And with that score, it then creates a dynamic checklist that says, hey, you, you know, it says you're managing your cap table out of a spreadsheet. Well, here's a link to Carta. Um, you know, you're growing your team. Uh, here's access to templates uh, for an employee handbook, et cetera. And so YC also gave us a chance to kind of create that product and um, experiment with it, get feedback on it. And it's something that, you know, we need to do more of over time. But it was really cool to, to have the opportunity to, to build that out this summer kind of in parallel with with getting our core insurance products off the ground. Definitely. I, I love that you said that you divided and conquered just because I feel like it, unless you are in the ecosystem, everyone just has an idea of what it's like. And it's like, I, I feel like a lot of people feel like you're just bubbled up in an apartment all day. Uh, whereas it's cool that no, you were out in the field talking to your customers. I think that's a, that's a cool picture to think of. Um, and then obviously towards the, the end of YC, uh, or at some point in your company's existence, you raise some money, you know, from some some really prominent investors. And I want to I want to actually dive into that before we started recording. I asked you what you say is something you feel proficient on or like your superpower. And you mentioned narrative storytelling in regards to fundraising. So I would love to spend the rest of our conversation talking about that. So to to start, could you outline very high level, 
how is fundraising for you? Um, any thoughts you want to share would be helpful, but uh, uh, overall, what was the experience like? Yeah, I mean, look, in some ways, it was maybe the longest fundraising process ever. In other ways, it was pretty short. One thing I have to say is I don't, I'm not a naturally gifted storyteller. Um, I mentioned, you know, you have my friend Andy Sparks on, and I think he's, he's someone I take notes from all the time on, on being a great storyteller. Um, for me, it was mostly just a ton of reps and experience, and it has to do with, um, you know, my experience prior to SUV Capital and prior to Vouch. Um, so let me dive into that real quick and come back to your story here, which is um, when I was at Nationwide, I was working, I started off there in internal audit. Uh, it was incredibly boring, um, but I had a lot of extra time. And so I started pitching the company on what they could be doing in venture technology innovation. And so I had to learn pretty quickly how to um, tell a story to people that were skeptical, right? They had seen the cycle um, from the dot-com boom. Um, and so I spent the better part of a year uh, convincing, um, you know, leadership there on some of the things we needed to do. And so uh, from there, went from Nationwide to SVD Capital. And, um, you know, I had a few different constituents that I had to uh, sort of pitch on a daily basis. You know, we had our limited partners. So those same kind of insurance executives at insurance companies all over the world, pension funds, endowment foundations, these are generally really, you know, conservatively minded investors. Um, on the flip side of that, we had to convince entrepreneurs why they should want to work with us. And that's a totally different audience. And so, um, you know, I, I had to figure out over the course of a few years, what are our key strengths? What do you know, who, who are we? Why should people believe in us? And in a lot of ways, those stories, it's the same attributes for both audiences. They just might care about different aspects of it. And so, um, just learned over time what matters to the people that I'm talking to and, and what should we talk about. And so, um, you know, I mentioned this is something I've been really thinking about and working on since 2016. And I remember um, when I first, first talked to people about it, um, I, it fell on deaf ears. And I spent two or three years thinking about who's the right co-founder, you know, are the people I can invest in that are already doing this. Um, and it wasn't until uh, I was able to point to some other proof points in the market until I had more credibility as a founder, until I was able to tighten that narrative um, and frankly build trust with other people that were thinking about this problem. And so more specifically to our fundraising journey, um, you know, we were fortunate to, to be very good friends with the folks at Ribbit Capital. I know the Y Combinator team had been thinking about this problem. The SEB team had been thinking about this problem. And so, you know, um, in a lot of ways, uh, I think a really, a really um, useful phrase as it relates to fundraising is people invest in lines, not dots. And so it's not like I just walked into those offices one day and said, hey, here's what we want to do. Here's our pitch. Will you back us? It was years of trust and credibility building. And, um, you know, when it came time to pull the trigger, uh, it was very easy because, you know, we'd spent years kind of building up to that momentum. Um, you know, as it relates to as it relates to storytelling and kind of why that's so important in the fundraising process, um, just given the fact that I used to invest in companies and obviously now I'm on the other side of the table, um, a lot of times when I'm working with founders, you know, we're talking about insurance and risk, but they're fundraising and, and I'm always happy to help however I can there. And we start talking through the pitch deck and, you know, I, I would say nine times out of 10, um, you know, the founder is trying to put everything out there in this message and really tell the world um, all these ideas that are in their head and everything that they should be really proud of. Um, 
but you got to, it comes back to putting yourself in the audience's shoes and knowing that they're seeing so many of these pitches every day. And as much as you want to make it a rational analytical argument, you got to think of it in a lot of the same ways that, that, you know, you would think of advertising. It's a very emotional pitch. You've got to get them interested. And um, I think it's, you want to kind of keep as many cards in your back pocket as you can to continue to play those cards as the conversation progresses. And so I always encourage founders to use no, no more than 10 slides. I think it's a good constraint, not only um, from a messaging perspective, but it forces you to really condense your thinking um, and just simplify your messaging. And so I always, you know, let's put the pitch deck aside. Let's do a bullet point kind of narrative of, of what your key selling points are. And then you build the deck around that narrative. Um, so that's a really long winded explanation for kind of, you know, why I think storytelling is, is so important. Um, obviously not just for fundraising, but really in, in every aspect of your business. It's a great way to kick it off. And you mentioned something really interesting, which I, I remember the first time I heard the investors invest in lines, not dots. I believe it was, it was like a blog post for Mark Schuster, I believe. And it, that whole concept is super fascinating. I would love to hear about, um, with any of your investors that you have now, River Capital, Index, you know, SBB or YC, can you tell us a story about the first, the first time that you put a dot on the line, like the first interaction and what that was like, <laughs> and then potentially how the dots compounded in trust? Like how, how does someone put that first dot on the, on the table? Yeah. Um, it's not like I set out to like, you know, go, go dot hunting or, you know, try to put something out there. It was, uh, it was just the, the normal course of business. I remember, um, probably 2015, maybe 26. Yeah. 2015. Um, first time I ever met Nick Shalik from Rudy Capital. Um, you know, at an event together and he asked, you know, Oh, you're coming from the insurance world. Like what should I be looking out for? And you know, I thought for a second and I was like, you know, um, when I was in corporate strategy there, we, everyone is trying to figure out how to do direct commercial insurance. And so, um, yeah, that's what I think you should be looking for. Uh, he and I ended up working together on, uh, root insurance and doing a whole bunch of other things. So that, that relationship, you know, progressed over the years, but I do think it's kind of funny just looking back that, uh, the first conversation we ever had, uh, ended up being the business that we're, that we're building together. Yeah, that's, it, it, I like that a lot in that a lot of the times the interactions that you have with people today, uh, you, you don't know what they're going to turn into, but it's all, it's all plotting dots. You know, I, I know it's like a transactional way to describe it, but it's like it, every relationship is a line, right? And it's just where it ends up, I think is, is always interesting. I'm curious. Well, you just, it, you just said, Matt, yeah. you just said something really important there, which is sure. like, I think just transactional versus like authentic relationships. And I think you know, this world is so many of us are so ambitious and have so much we want to achieve. And it's easy to like fall into that trap of being transactional. And I just, uh, all of the best things in my, in my life have happened just by kind of just being yourself and you can you, you keep an eye towards opportunity, but um, it's so much easier to build long-term relationships where it's, there's a genuine connection there than, you know, always optimizing for whatever the, the, the most expedient kind of transaction might be. Yeah, I, I like that. It reminds me a lot of some of the things that Naval says, who's all about the lawn game. So uh, I know that in Silicon Valley, 
and in San Francisco, it, people are saying that it's the easiest time to raise cash, but for, for still some, it's the hardest time to raise cash. Do you think that the if you have no traction, you can still win over investors with a great story, and vice versa? If you have great traction but can't tell a story, do you think you can raise any money at all? Uh, yeah, look, I don't, I don't think that there are absolutes, um, in either of those camps. Um, you know, it, traction is an interesting word in that I think in a lot of ways people point towards, you know, revenue or user growth or, you know, part of how I think about a business is it's a basket of risks. Um, you know, you can have your go to market risk, your team risk, your, um, you know, the defensibility of the business, what's your capital markets risk. And I think if, you know, part of this, this storytelling is um, showing investors all the proof points around each of those dynamics. So how have, you know, for us, you know, it's how do we de-risk the go-to-market and distribution side of the business? Well, you can do that through um, building a series of early partnerships and, um, you know, a number of different things. Uh, for me, you know, if I would have started this business by myself a few years ago, there have been major team risk, um, but having a strong co-founder like Sam and others around the table, you know, helps to de-risk the business. And so um, I think traction can mean a lot of different things. It depends on the kind of company you're building and, um, and where you want to go with it. So um, yeah, I think you can, you can raise capital on either side of the equation you mentioned. Um, what matters is the business you're building. And I should, I should add like venture capital isn't always the, the solution. Um, you know, I think it's, it depends again on, on what your ambitions are and finding the right financing and the right, the right partners to, to help you get there. Absolutely. Uh, so I have a couple more questions for you before we wrap it up. Zoom has given me the five minute warning. Uh, so I, I'm curious to know you, or have tons of experience. You were on the other side of the table. Now you're on the founder side of the table. What's something that you've learned that, that maybe you thought you understood while you were investing, but now that you're on the other side of the table, you realize that you didn't understand, or now you have a, another appreciation <laughs> for what it's like to be a founder. Yeah, there's a really uh, easy answer to that, which is being comfortable with failure. Um, it feels like such a cliche and talking to all my founder friends going into this, you know, we talk a lot about the day over day volatility and um, the little micro failures day to day. I think so many founders that I know are, um, you know, in a lot of ways, perfectionists in, in their lives. And so I know, um, I guess I never considered myself one until I got into this role and realized um, there's so many different things I'm responsible for um, that, you know, I've been doing all of our marketing to date. And fortunately, we've got a, an amazing marketer coming in to run that. And so I can go from being a, doing a B job at that to uh, firing myself and let someone, someone do an A-plus job. Um, and so I just think that getting comfortable with, you're not going to be perfect at everything. Um, you got to just continue moving the ball forward and putting one foot in front of the other day to day. Um, that's been the biggest adjustment for me. And um, it's also made it, I think, the most the, one of the most rewarding and certainly um, the biggest growth experience I've ever had in my career uh, is learning to get comfortable with that. And, um, you know, it's been, I don't think I'm totally there yet, but uh, that, that's definitely been the biggest, uh, the biggest challenge thus far. And my, my last question for you is along the same lines, as you, as you just mentioned, starting a startup is hard. There are things that we're better at than others, but 
I, I believe that all founders can always use some help at any time in the founding journey. And you have the, the whole forward thinking founders community listening who are always down to help guests who come onto the show. So my question for you is, do you have an ask for the forward thinking founders community or is there a problem that we can help you solve? How can this community help you? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of answers to that. I think, um, obviously, we would love to serve every startup in the country. Um, but more than anything, I think any founder can relate to uh, craving feedback, you know, especially when you're in a B2B business, uh, where there's limited data points, um, would really invite anyone to come try try the product and, and give us your thoughts. Um, you know, we're constantly, constantly looking to improve. Um, and the other thing there is, I think, you know, we're a very um, mission driven company. And so there are opportunities for us to support entrepreneurs and entrepreneurship programs in different markets across the country, uh, please reach out. Um, it's something that, that we're really passionate about. All right. And my, my final question is, if someone wanted to try out Vouch, they heard this on the podcast and they wanted to give it a shot, where can they get in touch with you or where can they find Vouch? Yeah. So um, you can reach out to us at hello at Vouch.us or um, you know, my email is just travis.hedge at Vouch.us. Please feel free to reach out. And, um, you know, again, our, our platform is entirely self-serve. So uh, if folks want to give it a try, uh, just head, head to, uh, to vouch.us. All right, Travis, thank you so much for coming on to the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Matt. It was a, fun, uh, it was a blast. Appreciate it.